It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I do want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. Some of you may know that one of my goals this year is to run a 5K. I've never done this before. In fact, when I went out for track in junior high school, I ran the half mile because I was not a sprinter. I was decent in this event, but I wasn't a superstar. But when the high school cross-country coach asked me to be on the cross-country team the following year, I declined because I didn't think I was capable of running two miles once, let alone every single day in practice. A few years ago, when I rediscovered exercise, I found that running two to three minutes straight was a significant challenge. However, I gradually increased my stamina, and as a result, I began to run for longer periods of time. Last week, I was finally able to run for 60 minutes without stopping, which was the equivalent of four and a half miles. Never in my dreams did I think this would ever, ever happen. But now I know I can run a 5K, so I'm really excited to sign up for one before this year is over. So let me ask you this. What seemingly insurmountable goal is out there for you? What goal do you have that is so outrageous it would make your head spin? If you really want to achieve it, then take one small step in that direction today, then focus on the next step, and then the next step, and then the next step, and so on. Do it today. You'll be so glad you did. So with this in mind, I do want to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. My guest this week is John Lesko. Let me tell you a bit about him. He's been on the show before. It's been a while. But let me just tell you about him. John Lesko is a West Point graduate, former armored cavalry scout, Tank Unit Commander, Research and Development Project Leader, Principal Research Scientist, Program Manager, Certified Professional Facilitator, Change Agent, and Small Business Owner. He was a Brigade Champion Wrestler and Ranger School Honor Graduate. He's climbed mountains, navigated glacial-fed streams and rivers, and jumped out of several perfectly good aircraft to successfully complete 100% of all attempted parachute landing falls. John has earned the Presidential Champions Platinum Award. He's coached various youth sports teams and enjoys getting outdoors every now and then to take in a breath of fresh air. John has over 20 years of military experience and over 20 years as an innovator and leader in business. He is the co-author and editor of Technology Exchange in the Information Age and a recognized expert in collaborative teaming between government and industry partners. His current book is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in Your Organization. We will discuss this and all of this and so much more on today's show. And with that in mind, here once again is my very special guest, John Lesko. John, how are you today? Uh, Brian, I'm fine. And uh, I'm reminded, of course, of, and I'm showing a little bit of my age, you know, Liberace responding. I wish my brother George were here. And I'm, I'm resp uh, a little bit... Uh, 
taken back by your very generous introduction. I wish my mother had heard that. I don't think she's going to listen in. She's not a web-based kind of person, but uh, you are so kind with that introduction. Thank you. Oh, you're so very welcome. That's really great. So tell us a little bit. For I mean, you, it was two years ago when you were on the show, and this show has been going on for close to three and a half years now. So uh, it, it's very likely that a lot of people listening did not hear you the first time. So tell us about your background. How did this all start for you? What was your journey like? What valuable lessons did you learn? What did you overcome? We've got probably about seven or eight minutes in this segment remaining. Uh, well, you stacked up a number of questions there, Hopefully, I'll I'll catch each of them in turn. Okay. But, uh, mentioning that the radio show has been on for over three years, and yes, we did talk a couple years ago about a, another uh, venture that I was involved with. But but let me roll back the uh, clock a little further. Uh, you asked sure. when did this all start? The genesis yep. of this particular book, this particular idea, facilitating genius illuminating brilliance that's in your organization. It came 10 to 12 years ago. Uh, and this, I don't mean to sound trite. I don't know the, you know, how many uh, religious or Christian listeners you have. But, you know, a while back, there were those uh, wristbands that would ask, what would Jesus do? And at the time, I was thinking, you know, that's an excellent question. What would, you know, fill in the blank? What would Jesus do? What would... George Washington do? What would Mahatma Gandhi do? What would Abraham Lincoln do? What would Mother Teresa do? And I began to think in terms of uh, taking on the perspective of these leaders, these thought leaders, these geniuses, these people who obviously were um, uh, at the very uh, edge of extraordinary performance. And so that, that was the, the beginning of the idea. So I put together a workshop, and I put in a proposal uh, to an organization called the International Association of Facilitators. And lo and behold, they accepted the proposal, and I had to uh, quickly pull together a workshop that was based on role-playing. So now roll the clock forward a bit, and a few years later, I, I repeated the workshop at a Washington, D.C.-based conference, uh, the Mid-Atlantic Facilitator Network, and I expanded on the number of examples that I'd used over the first time I gave the workshop. Well, the reviews came in from both workshops, and this was within a period of time of about three to four months, and they were very positive. Uh, one person just uh, knocked me off my chair. She asked, when are you going to write a book? And uh, I didn't think much of it because it was early on, and I, I kind of threw that, you know, that stretch goal out there of just, pre you know, preparing for this uh, the, this workshop and this proposal at this conference. I had no idea of about a book, so so the idea, you know, got pushed on the back burner. Other things got uh, in my life, uh, you know, took precedence or were more urgent. Well, I dusted off this uh, workshop and represented it but had done much more thinking and much more research. So now we're talking about over the course of 10 years, I recycled some of the material, but I started to add some structure and some filters and some models on top of the original thought. Uh, lo and behold, people uh, even, were even more enthusiastic. Where's the book? You know, you've got something here. This is useful. Uh, between then and now, I actually uh, 
applied many of the techniques that are found in the book with my clients, and we were reaching some success. Uh, not to put too fine a point on it, but I was finding that ordinary people were achieving some extraordinary results as a result of trying some of the techniques that I was just suggesting that they try. Mm-hmm. And that was thinking as a genius, thinking as someone else, thinking, as, uh, what, would, what would this other leader do? Uh, it, it, then, now three years ago, four years ago, I think we met uh, about that time. This was shortly after I had uh, survived a heart attack. And so I'm in my uh, recovery room thinking, well, what am I going to do to make the rest of my life worthwhile. And it dawned on me, all those people who had encouraged me, all the ordinary people who had encouraged me, where's the book? When are we going to learn more? And so I made a resolution. Uh, didn't necessarily fulfill that New Year's resolution, but it took a couple of years. And I, I put pen to paper or, or fingers to keyboard, and I started working and started structuring the idea and collecting these ideas and refining them and going through the, the editing cycle until... Um, just this year, uh, it, it was finished. And so uh, this, this was a uh, slow boil on the back burner with a uh, life experience that caught my eye. Okay. All right. That sounds great. I think we're getting close to the two-minute mark before our first break. So uh, I, I do really appreciate you sharing all of that because really putting yourself in the perspective of all of these great leaders uh, is really a very uh, innovative and creative way to go ahead and do that. And I know later on we're going to talk about intelligence and the types of intelligence and the different leaders that embody the different types of intelligence that you talk about. I think it would be pretty safe to say that uh, uh, every every leader or everybody that you talk about would have a slightly different perspective on how they would solve certain certain problems. So we do have just under three minutes to the break, actually, is what I'm being told. So that's great. Uh, let me tell you, or let me ask you this. As you were writing this book, were there any valuable lessons that you, you were uh, uh, party to as this process was unfolding? Uh, it was several and, and different types of lessons. Uh, first off, when you put your mind to uh, writing any book length project, you have to think about the craft of writing. So on the one hand, I started to read uh, various authors' blogs, and I started to correspond with people who were in the business of writing. Uh, I'll mention um, the fellow's name right now, and then hopefully, perhaps at the end of the show, I'll, I'll mention him again. But I had the, the pleasure of bumping into a fellow by the name of Stephen Pressfield. And Stephen Pressfield has been popular more recently in some of his writings regarding uh, Marines uh, in the Middle East and the various conflicts of the world right now. Uh, he also wrote a, a classic uh, retelling of the 300 Spartans. Uh, there was, a, of course, a movie made of that, uh, and his story, uh, Fi- I think it's Fire at the Gate is the uh, title of that. But, uh, but his most uh, uh, perhaps uh, famous or first work was the uh, story of the, um, the, the legend of um, Bagger Vance, and I loved that movie, and I found that Stephen was at the uh, Quantico Marine Corps base one day, and I introduced myself, and he and I have exchanged a, a note or two. But lo and behold, he writes a blog about the craft of writing. And lo and behold, he had some excellent advice on how to overcome the resistance that gets in your way to writing your first novel, your first screenplay, your first book, whatever, but just doing the work. and. Yeah. Uh, 
so that was one one big discovery, one big lesson learned. That, you know, how do you actually get that book come to fruition? And then, of course, in my research for all the um, other uh, stories, you know, the, the actual vignettes for for my own yes. work, you know, every time I wanted to add a new character, so to speak, mm-hmm. to this piece of nonfiction. You know, I, I would dig a little deeper and I would rediscover or discover for the first time the genius that they represented and where it is they, they broke away from, you know, the average Joe or Josephine on the street. All right. We are coming up against our first break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves the smart guy. Smartguy.com. Solovey, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solovey with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use, and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. And simply making the switch to Solovey is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solovey with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solovey revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is John Lesko. He is the author of the book, Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance, in your organization. And where you can find me, I'm on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright is my Twitter name. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Facebook. I do have a, a fan page, a business page called Success Profiles Radio. Please like Success Profiles Radio on 
Facebook. I also do have a book that came out last fall called Success Profiles, Mental Toughness and Sales, in which I interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer, Scott Lopez, and Eric Lofholm for my show. It's all about developing a championship mindset and learning how to hone and develop our business and sales skills. And we all are selling something, whether we want to believe it or not. And this book is a very valuable resource for those that ever have to persuade or convince anyone to do anything, and that is just about everybody. You can find that on Amazon. Once again, that is Success Profiles, Mental Toughness and Sales. You can also find Success Profiles Radio on iTunes. You can download and subscribe to the show for free anytime you want. Please go ahead and do so. Leave a review for the show. It helps our rankings. We're consistently on the What's Hot on iTunes uh, list in careers and self-help. And so that really would be very helpful, too. I just want to get the word out to as many people as possible about the great content that is on this show every single week. So, John, let me ask you this. We've talked about where this book came from, the idea behind it. What does it mean specifically to facilitate genius? That's a phrase that you don't hear kicked around very often. Uh, When I picked the title, I had floated a few ideas with some of my facilitator, professional facilitator colleagues, as well as with a few of my coaching colleagues. And I would get different interpretations from their uh, perspective. I meant for the Jaren facilitating to be the action and that the genius was not me, the author, but that I was assisting others. So facilitating genius and then illuminating or shining a light on the brilliance that's already in organizations was my focus. I genuinely believe that there is genius or wisdom in the room of the people who are gathered with whom I've been called to, uh, to serve and to work. And that my job as a facilitator was to find that wisdom, was to find those talents and merely shine a light upon them. So that was the uh, story behind the title. And then if you think about it from a different perspective, uh, facilitating genius, you know, uh, I, I'm, too too humble to be uh, thinking that I'm a facilitating genius, <laughs> but rather the best I can do is to uh, set a, an environment and to establish a sense of uh, uh, of trust and a sense of uh, rapport where people are willing to relax and, and follow the spirit, the spirit that's in the room. Uh, the ancient Greeks and the ancient Romans believed that genius was like a wind that blew over Mother Earth. And that uh, we were just the vessels of this spirit that protected the the uh, the gifts, the, you know, the God-given gifts, where they may, wherever they may have uh, found their origin. So the idea of facilitating that wind, or or allowing for the fewest number of obstacles to block that wind uh, from blowing through an organization, is the second uh, uh, meaning behind the title. Okay, you talk about. Uh Wicked problems, that's the phrase that you used. How does this help you define what's in front of you when you're working with groups? Uh, that, that's an interesting question, uh, largely uh, or, or for two reasons, one of which, uh, the, and the tongue-in-cheek reason is if you're from the New England area or if you were to chat with anyone, particularly from Boston, you would hear of people saying wicked awesome or wicked this or wicked that, a wicked tough problem. Uh, Well, in the course of decision analysis, there's actually categories of problems. There are the straightforward problems. These are problems that can be solved by applying 
a particular uh, model or, or technique or, or, or decision uh, rigor or discipline to them. And then there's a category of problems which are wicked problems. And wicked problems, uh, by definition, are uh, ones that um, they resist uh, being solved simply. They are stubborn problems. Uh, they have staying power. Uh, you at best tame a wicked problem. Wicked problems exist, and uh, the requirements that uh, make up the components of their wickedness change over time. Uh, they are the large, complex problems. If you have a budget and you've allocated all your resources, whether they be human capital or financial resources or or time or, or effort, however you define it, uh, once you've allocated all the resources, the mere fact that you're still working on them uh, means that the problem will redefine itself. Uh, you can think of a wicked problem, for example, as the degradation of America's infrastructure. You know, there always will be roads and bridges that need repaired, and if you fix them in one place, well, they'll pop up somewhere else. We won't ever have everything at 100% effective or efficiency, but the best we can do is to balance how the problems redefine themselves. Uh, if yeah. you look if you looked at today's um, social ills, you know, the, the uh, poverty and, and uh, health care and uh, jobs and uh, racial issues, you know, we, we can only do our best in this wicked problem to do our best uh, to work on various components and to look for the interrelationships between all the components of the problem. Okay, sounds great. Uh, boy, I've got a lot of questions. I'm already, I'm already going to think we're not going to get to them all, but that's all right. <laughs> I'll just pick out the most important ones. I, I do know that uh, as a leadership coach, uh, the best leaders, no matter what industry they're in, have the task of figuring out what their team members' strengths and weaknesses are. Is this hard to do, and can this be taught? Well, I, I think many times problems are very difficult. Many times problems are solved when you just say they're worth trying to solve. Let's get started on them. In other words, it's that old tongue-in-cheek uh, issue about uh, you know, people have been asking for so long to do the impossible that, that I just got up and did it you know, and, and, and didn't worry about all the naysayers and the people that told me that it couldn't be done. So I do believe that identifying the strengths uh, within people is something that you can make it terribly complex or you could keep it fairly simple. It could be as simple as just asking people, you know, when were you at your best? When did you feel as if you made the greatest contribution? Of what achievements are you most proud? And then drill down into those experiences that, that energized your, your uh, teammates, your coworkers, your colleagues, and find out where they felt they were making the best contributions and go with that. That's the simple way. And then you yeah. can get really terribly sophisticated and academically uh, wrapped around the axle by uh, tapping into the multitude of uh, psychometric assessments and personality inventories that are out there. And, and many people, particularly if they've had uh, the, uh, the good luck, the good fortune uh, of being identified as a leader, have taken the various you know, FIRO B and uh, Myers-Briggs this and Curtin Adaptive Innovative Skill that or DISC, you know, the, the list goes on. And in my book, I actually may have mentioned 12 different types of assessment that a coach might use with their client in order to uh, assess and help that individual in what boiled down in the ancient Greek words is know thyself. 
Yeah. You know, we just got to know ourselves and know our own strengths and talents. That's great. So let me ask you this. I think we've got, you know, maybe around three minutes or so to our next break. In one of your chapters, uh, you address thinking inside the box versus thinking outside the box, which is a common catchphrase these days. Is one better than the other? Is there value in both? Do we need the box? That's excellent question for a number of reasons. Uh, I think there um, is a need for both. First off, just straight up, let me answer the question directly. I think there's a need for both types of thinking or both approaches. And then find, uh, in a funny sort of way, if we were to tap into, for example, the naturalists, the, uh, the, the uh, geniuses of, of uh, Charles Darwin or John Muir or uh, Jane Goodall, people who go out and you know, become uh, one with nature and uh, talk to the animals, uh, there's a, that uh, turn of phrase, think outside, no box required. You know, just get out into the world and, and breathe some fresh air. And so uh, th- that play on the, you know, think outside the box, think inside the box is, uh, can be interpreted in many ways. I, I just think it's, you know, uh, to, to use the catchphrase of, uh, you know, Mr. Watson, Dr. Watson from uh, IBM, he just said, think. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're challenged just to think and then we, we, will, uh, we will do good things. But uh, inside the box thinking, as I talk about it in my book, has everything to do with categorizing a problem, defining a problem. Uh, And let's say that for whatever reason, the problem might say uh, it just begs to be dealt with with someone good with figures, good with numbers, good with mathematics. So to think inside the box, if the problem just begs to be solved in a mathematical or analytic logical way, then you would go to geniuses who have shown a proficiency and a genius or a tendency to uh, uh, transcend their peers by applying math, uh, logic, analytic uh, 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 techniques to the uh, algorithms to, to, to solving the problem. So that's a straightforward inside-the-box approach. The problem tends to or seems like it would be a, a best uh, answered by math, uh, so go find some mathematicians and think like a mathematician. All right, so what's the flip of that? Uh, Outside-the-box thinking. Well, if, if the problem looks like it might easily be solved or most directly solved by the use of mathematics or analytics, uh, well, what would happen if you turned to someone else and some other type genius? What if you were to go not too far astray, but... To, to a musical talent. How would a musician solve a math problem? And, right. and you can go even further outside the box and say, well, how would Jane Goodall, you know, the, the famous uh, scientist uh, who is looking at the uh, alpha uh, chimps and, and, and the alpha females within a, a group of chimpanzees, how, how might she solve a mathematical problem? And you have a total different exactly. perspective, an outside-the-box perspective. That's great. We are coming up against our next break, and we are talking with John Lesko. His book is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in Your Organization. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about some of the uh, various types of intelligence that are available, what some of them are. And uh, this is going to be a really fascinating discussion. Please stay with us. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back.
the mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Energy Saving Solutions' innovative double green plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our double green plan. Double green allows you to convert to LEDs with no out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style along with an innate ability to form connections with people gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. And my very special guest this week is John Lesko. And his book is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in your organization. And while I'm thinking about it, John, tell us where we can find your book. You know, I was just thinking about that question. Uh, it is on just about every electronic uh, bookstore uh, in the English-speaking language. Uh, first off, my publisher is ebookit.com. And if you were to go to their store, then you would go into the business section and the decision-making section, and you would find it listed in their, uh, in their list of titles. Uh, I feel a certain obligation to plug them the most because they are, have been the most kind and supportive along the way, of course. Uh, but uh, there are folks who know Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and, uh, or Kobo uh, readers. Uh, these are all e-reading devices. Right now, the book is available electronically and uh, through the major distribution uh, stores, online stores that I've mentioned, as well as on iTunes Books and uh, Google Play Books. And if one were to search on the title, Facilitating Genius, uh, on, on any of those stores, up would pop that book or one close enough that you would say, yeah, that's John Lesko's book. Okay. That's wonderful. So let me ask you this. When you talk about facilitating 
genius and identifying intelligence. It's important as a leader to figure out what type of intelligence your team members have so that you can position them accordingly to put them in the best place to succeed, right? I hope so. I, and I think the, the studied leaders do that. Okay, that's great. So you talk about eight different types of intelligence in your book. Let's go ahead and talk about a few of them. What, what exactly are the different types of intelligence that we might be talking about? Because some people know what they're really good at, and other people are a little uh, on, the, on the fence about what they're really, really good at. And I'm sure there are ways of assessing that, and I'm sure that you've, you've done that with uh, people that you've done uh, consulting with, correct? Uh, yes, and... As I mentioned in the earlier segment about where the idea's genesis uh, began, uh, and that was with you know, the, the little wristbands, what would Jesus do? And then I started substituting other leaders and other characters, other, um, other geniuses uh, mm -hmm. in, in for that, that role-playing. Uh, along the way, and early on, uh, about 10 uh, or so years ago, I, I was very intrigued by... Uh, other people's work, and, and and I would be remiss if I didn't give due credit. It, you know, all the footnotes and endnotes and and such acknowledgments are in my book. But there, there's an author by the name of Michael Gelb who who wrote uh, Think Like Leonardo da Vinci, and that book was a very interesting and, and uh, inspiring book. And then also there's the work and where the eight multiple intelligencies come from is out of the uh, realm or out of the uh, industry, the education community. You know, uh, Howard Gardner's work, he's from, I believe, Harvard. He, he talks specifically about multiple intelligencies, and he proposed the theory of multiple intelligencies. So I just said that model is, is, is what I'll build on, and then I'll add some inside the box and outside of the box and some other uh, uh, models or disciplines to it. But uh, Howard Gardner's uh, multiple intelligences list the eight uh, intelligences upon which I then continued my research. So the um, those eight, just to list them, uh, I'll use the vernacular because I believe the common sense uh, or street language makes uh, much more colorful uh, descriptions. He talked yes. about wor word smarts, numbers smarts, Pictures smarts, music smarts, self smarts, people smarts, body smarts, and finally nature smarts. And so words are people who are linguistically skilled, obviously, and the numbers are those who are numerically skilled and mathematically inclined. Picture smarts are people who are spatially aware, architects and artists and uh, craftsmen and, and, and the like. Music smarts is self-defining, you know, your musicians, your singers and the like, composers. Self-smarts is, is half of the people smarts business. Uh, someone who is self-aware, someone who is intraspective, uh, the, the Gandhi, the Mother Teresa's of the world. Uh, Extra-personal, looking outward, are people smart people. These would be the uh, you know, uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, the Dr. Phil on TV show uh, to be right. a little contemporary there. Uh, kinesthetically smart people are body smart people. Those are our dancers, our athletes, our martial artists, 
And uh, the naturalists uh, are the nature smart people. Uh, I mentioned, I think, earlier in the conversation that, you know, the, the Jane Goodall, the, the John Muir, uh, who started the National Parks Program, and the Char- uh, Charles Darwin, uh, climbers, uh, Sir Edmund Hillary and uh, Tenzing Norway. Uh, I, I, I coincidentally wrote about them. And then, of course, we recently had the earthquakes in Nepal, which bring some of their views on leadership to uh, to a certain currency again. Okay, that's great. So these are all different types of intelligences. Uh, no one of them is any better than the other, of course. So let me ask you this. In any given organization, is there room for every different type of intelligence? Or would you say, well, because someone has this type of intelligence, they might actually be a better fit doing something else? Or, or do you not use your assessment to determine something like that? Well, that's a good question, uh, Brian. Uh, the simple answer would be, why should we judge? I'll kind of ask, answer the question with a question. You know, why should we judge uh, another person's intelligence? Let's just assume that it exists. And now that we know that there are gifts that, and talents that people have, let's now decide how to get the best from those strengths. And let's see how we might exploit, not capital E exploit, but you know, little e exploit. Let's leverage, as in a mechanical leverage, let's use to our best organizational and collective advantage the various talents of everyone. So uh, that's the simple answer. The more complex answer is, is that each of us has more than one gift. If you were to take the assessments that are affiliated with the multiple intelligence tools that Gardner and the people in education uh, have used, and, and I have several links buried into the you know the details of my book about how to take those assessments, and, and frankly, the, you know they're free too, so that's kind of kind of nice to the reader. They could, if they wish, go online and and, and take those assessments. Uh, but if you were to start there, you would uh, realize that you know you have several which are. Uh, stronger than others, and you might be someone who is multi-talented, and you may have uh, one for sure, and probably two, or maybe even three such intelligencies. Uh, much like um, you know, you would imagine that uh, uh, just because someone is a dancer doesn't mean also that they don't have a, a appreciation for uh, space. Right. So even though they are kinesthetically uh, body smart. They may very also be someone who thinks in terms of, uh, of not only movement, but uh, spatial relationships. And so they may also have a, a natural tendency to combine their, their hands-on knowledge and their body smarts with the uh, spatial relationships. And they may you know, complement their dancing with, uh, with painting or, or, or with graphic design. Uh, yeah. We don't just have one gift. So we have this combination of gifts and I think what's uh, intriguing, to me at least, as a coach, is entering into the conversation to look at what gifts do people lead with, what do they rely upon, and uh, what do they do when things are all going well, and what, are they, uh, what, what gifts and talents do they use when they're under stress? Yeah. And uh, to, to know when uh, some of your less developed gifts may break down, and, and, and you can't count on them. And so building a team from a leadership or organizational development point of view uh, would be in, in maintaining a certain balance. 
Uh, let, me, let me give you a visual picture and then I'll, I'll just wrap up with that. Uh, if you were to take these eight different spokes on the wheel, and they are spokes on a wheel, uh, the idea in an organization would be to build a wheel that, that was balanced and that didn't have bubbles in it, that didn't um, go bump as you go down the road, that it had the fewest number of flat spots on it. So organizationally speaking, you'd want to uh, build uh, your wheel so that it was most round or most balanced. Uh, but no one spoke, no one person or, or one department uh, could do it all on their own. It would be interdependent. Yeah, that's that's really great. And in fact, you know, I love the idea too that that you brought out that we sometimes have several uh, different talents or intelligence that are prominent, and others that may not be much so. In fact, I was just, I was surprised to discover several years ago that Keith Richards, who's in the Rolling Stones, is also a really phenomenal painter. I didn't know this, and I think I saw a documentary on TV where. Uh, they they talked about this and showed examples of his work and he, you know a lot of actors and a lot of musicians are also very good painters or they're good at one or more than one of these and that's really great I mean I find myself uh, word smart number smart and music smart are probably my top three um, some of these other ones not so much probably not real nature smart probably not real picture smart I am not an artist. At all, I, I can't draw to save my life. <laughs> so, so you you Brian surround yourself with people who have strengths that complement yours. Yes, and, and and in building your radio show, you you want to surround yourself with uh, people who ha- can fill in where where uh, they are best appreciated, and then similarly, they use you uh, where you are uh, best suited. Uh, that's the secret yeah. to organizational dynamic that works. That that's that's what makes the ordinary extraordinary. Oh, that's wonderful. That's great. We've got less than two minutes to our next break. Let me ask you real quick once again: where well, one minute to our break? Excuse me. Where can we find your book before we close out this segment? Uh, ebookit.com, Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, uh, the the Kobo uh, bookstore, the. Um, uh, Biblio Bookstore, uh, iTunes Books, uh, Google Play Books, uh, just about every major distributor that is an online bookstore is carrying the text. That's great. And we are coming up against our final break. I can't believe how quickly the show goes. My very special guest this week is John Lusco, and his book is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in Your Organization. And we will come right back for our final segment right after this. Please do not go away. Stay with us. Be right back. is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. 
and action plans. How important are they for me to manage? Whether you're an executive, entrepreneur, or maybe you're just someone looking to advance your career and want to be confidently prepared for your future, business and life coach Carmen Carosa can help you remove obstacles and move forward in the right direction. Carmen is known as the real-world coach for a reason. His no-nonsense style, along with an innate ability to form connections with people, gives you a unique opportunity to see higher and further than ever before. We live and work in an ever-changing, complicated world that can leave us with questions about every decision we make. Join host Carmen Carosa, business and life coach, on Forward Motion. Every Monday at 2 p.m. Central, 3 p.m. Eastern, you will realize dreams and aspirations you thought were out of reach. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is John Lesko, and his book is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in Your Organization. And I know, John, that as a complement to the book, you do workshops and trainings based on the research and practice of what we're talking about today. So tell us if an organization wanted to hire you or if an organization wants to figure out if they need to hire you or not, what can they expect their experience to be with you? Well, uh, you've opened the window for a um, commercial plug. So let me point folks to my website, which is johnlesco.biz. And that's John Lesko, all one word, dot B-I-Z. And so I have up there a list of clients and testimonials and some projects uh, that explain, you know, some wicked problems that some of my clients have been faced with and have dealt with. And from time to time, I've used these techniques, these problem-solving techniques uh, with those clients. Uh, I I have to be respectful of their confidentiality. So uh, let me talk about something which happened fairly recently because it's been in the news here. Uh, so I'm with the Toastmasters organization just this past Saturday, and we're on a 45-minute workshop to introduce how to think like a genius, and we were talking specifically about uh, uh, following your genius and, and onward and upward. And I picked from my book two examples, uh, and the one example was uh, Nikolai Copernicus, and Copernicus, of course, is most famous for introducing to the world, uh, and, and if you're uh, uh, organized religion kind of person, you know that what he was uh, professing back there, uh, back in the day, was uh, heresy. You know, he professed that the earth was not the center of the universe, but our sun was. And so this heliocentric view of the universe, uh, you know, got him in trouble with the church and got him in trouble with the, with the thinking of the day. Now, how, how is this Polish, uh, you know, uh, astronomer uh, relevant to today? So just last week, uh, I'm watching the television about the riots uh, and the uh, demonstrations that are happening in Baltimore. And I see this mother who has identified her son who is involved with the protests and uh, perhaps was involved with some of the um, um, conflict. And she, uh, her love of her son, she, she goes to the son and pulls him out of the crowd. And, and and gets him out of the out of the trouble and back to you know back on path, 
and and I the cartoon I used just Saturday was I believe that uh, the genius behind Copernicus's discovery, in addition to all of his preparation in science, might have been his mother who whispered in his ear, "You son are not the center of the universe." Reminding uh, both Nikolai and uh, and all those who were within earshot that uh, there are other things more important than just ourselves. So uh, from that, I talked about gang symbols, me versus we thinking. And if you were to flash with your right hand three fingers pointing to your left, and if you were to drape with your left hand three fingers over the back of your palm, and you were to see yourself in the mirror, you would see the, the, the letters me, M-E. And then I would reverse uh, my left hand uh, so that instead of draping them over my right, they came from below and upward, uh, raising my sights to the heavens, to the sun. And you would change your perspective to we thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, that simple gang symbol, if you would, the, those signs that were flashed, are the difference between thinking only about yourself and thinking about those that are around you. Uh, flipping the switch from me thinking to we thinking. That's leadership. And it, you know, that lesson probably came from a mother, uh, whether it be Copernicus' mother or whether it was that poor uh, you know, protesting uh, young fellow whose mom pulled him out of the crowd and got him back on the straight and narrow. Uh, that's leadership. Something very yeah. simple. Uh, one of the one other story, as, as I hinted at before, was uh, you know uh, Edmund Hillary and, and Tenzin Norgay. Well, what does it mean to be a Sherpa? What does it mean to be the fellow or uh, who carries the oxygen tanks for the person who gets all the glory? That's a servant leader. That the yeah. success that the success of the mountain climb was based upon those who are serving others. The team's success. You know, climbing to the top of the mountain is optional. Yes. What what success is truly defined in expedition thinking is to get the whole team down safely. Going to the summit is optional. Coming down safely is mandatory. Yeah. That's that's servant leadership. And so uh, in, in discussing these concepts about how leaders lead and pulling uh, from examples of my book and sharing them with my clients, uh, there, there's two that are fairly current. You know, the the world is rallied around helping Nepal right now uh, regain. Uh, it's uh, recovery from the earthquakes. There are people who are serving others. I don't know if that answered your question, Brian, but th- that's a recent workshop that I did for a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., and, and, and I have other examples as well where I've just asked okay. people to think in a new way, think it through new filters. Absolutely. So when you talk about helping people think in a new way, do you have a success story or two of someone who's solved some issues uh, doing this? Uh, there in the answer is obviously yes. Uh, I've got to be careful about um, um, confidentiality issues. But let me talk about a project in the public domain or soon to be released. Uh, a couple of years back, there were protests across the city dealing with uh, how do the police uh, departments and law enforcement officials uh, police protest. I mean, this is related here to uh, uh the more recent protests in, in Ferguson and elsewhere. But uh, the ones that I was specifically engaged with, I was working with American University. American University was uh, studying uh, various municipalities across the world, across the United States primarily, but also in Canada, on how police departments deal with peaceful protests. And this was on the heels of the uh, um, Occupy Wall Street movement. 
Mm-hmm. And so uh, what happened when, when people would assemble in these parks or, or, or in these um, public squares and, and talk about uh, occupying Wall Street or occupying, you know, fill in the blank, occupying their, their city center? So uh, there, there's uh, you know 30 plus cities that had these uh, demonstrations and uh, to varying degrees of conflict or, or, or peacefulness and different cities uh, appealed and approached uh, these challenges in different ways. So we assembled uh, various uh, captains of uh, police departments and police chiefs and commissioners in Washington D.C. and uh, had them think through the problem, putting on different hats, different role plays, thinking, well, well, what's the perspective of media? What's the perspective of social media? What's the perspective of the protester? What's the perspective of the property owner? What's the perspective of this person or that? And then then we would up the ante. We would say, well, how would this genius solve that problem? How would this leader solve that problem? You know, how would you solve the problem if your perspective was changed? And, and therein lies, by the way, uh, the, the utility of my book to people in the coaching business. This is all related mm-hmm. to perspective coaching. Perspective coaching okay. and role playing are inter, inter, uh, interrelated and uh, very closely aligned techniques. Absolutely. So uh, hopefully the, uh, the, the office out of the Department of Justice, a community policing office, will come out soon with uh, – Additional guidance for our uh, city um, law enforcement agencies resulted from these workshops that uh, I had the pleasure of facilitating. That's great. I think we've got about maybe three, four minutes or so left to the end. So let me ask you the question that I ask everybody. Uh, who inspires and motivates you, John? Uh, but I promise you don't go back a couple years and compare my answer today to the one two years ago uh, because I know it's different. Okay. But- but I did give due credit and dedication to uh, family and friends in my book, and, and I want to say that uh, I am inspired and motivated many times by very ordinary people, seemingly ordinary people, doing extraordinary things. Uh, when my daughter, for example, is working late, late, late at the print shop because she loves to do printing, uh, by printing I'm talking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, various types of mechanical printing and working and getting her hands covered with ink. And she's creating artwork because she has a passion for art. I'm inspired because I know she's happy. And I, and that's an inspiration to me. When my son is accompanying me or taking me to the, to the Nats game, the, the Washington Nationals baseball game, and he can explain to me, like I once explained to him, the beauty of a double play, and then he's you know, talking about small ball and how small ball is so much more excited, exciting, at least to him, than, than always seeing a home run in the game. You know, the, the, the nuances of his understanding, uh, I'm inspired and pleased because he, he's looking for the small signals that mean such a big thing. Uh, anytime my wife puts up with me and then, you know, recently her, her smarts are not necessarily in word smarts, but she does a lot of work with the department of treasury and I can't go into the details of it, but you know, recently she enrolled at the university of California, Berkeley to take an editing class because of her responsibilities to oversee the work of others and the, and the reports that come from her agency and go forward to, uh, to decision makers. And so she's working on something that was not necessarily her, her strength, but, but she was shoring up something that uh, for her, uh, you know, she knew she could do better. That, that, that is a, a brave step. Now, that, that's self-serving and all family-related. So let me talk about two specific authors 
As an author who's just had my own book out, I've been inspired by a fellow by the name of uh, uh, George Leonard. He passed away just a year or so ago, but he wrote the book Mastery. He was an Aikido uh, teacher, a sensei. And uh, if you were to Google the five keys to mastery, you might find a a, um, 30 or 60-minute version of a PBS special on what makes for extraordinary achievement. And I also mentioned uh, Steve Pressfield. I've I've been really... uh, pleased and inspired and motivated by his work, uh, his the, the War of Art, and also a book entitled Just Do It or Do the Work. You know, do yeah. the work. Uh, so uh, the people who, who keep their nose to the grindstone and work their craft, uh, those yeah. are the folks who are inspiring me now. That's wonderful. And we are getting ready to wrap up the show. So how can people find you if they want to connect with you? Uh, I'd point them to my website, uh, J-O-H-N-L-E-S-K-O dot B-I-Z, uh, or send me an email, uh, john at johnlesko dot biz. All right. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much, John, for being on the show today. It was an honor and a privilege to have you come back to the show and, and discuss your book, which once again is called Facilitating Genius, Illuminating Brilliance in Your Organization. And get that book. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can go to his website. And if you want to you know, learn more about how you can discover the different types of intelligence that your team members have and how those can help uh, your organization and recognizing the differences between them and knowing how to apply and put people in the right place, get this book. It's amazing. Meanwhile, we will be back next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We'll have another great guest. We will talk about how they succeeded and their road to overcoming everything they overcame and how they succeeded. We will come back next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening, and you have a great week. Take care, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright. Each week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to